Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuck, buddies? What the fuckers? What the fuck, Terry? What what the, what the fucking ears? Enough of this. Enough of it, okay? We're going to be what the fuck buddies, and occasionally we're going to be what the fucking ears. That's my decision. I'm sticking by it. I don't need any more suggestions. I know a lot of you are, and thankfully, I, I'm certainly not complaining, but a lot of you are picking up at the beginning of the series of podcasts. And so those of you who are coming into it now... Uh, have to realize that uh, that we've already resolved a lot of the things that uh, were going on on, say, episodes one through 40. I mean, we're heading into our 50th show in a couple of shows here. I mean, I think uh, this week, I, I think Thursday might be our 50th show. It's not a milestone, but it is, it's a lot of shows, and we're uh, very proud of it. Brendan McDonald and I have been working very hard on this, and we certainly want to thank all our guests and performers. I mean... What am I doing? It's like, what am I accepting an award? We've just, we're, we're working here. That's what we're doing. One thing I wanted to do that I don't usually do, and I want to do it at the beginning of the show because I'll forget to do it. Because when it comes down to really publicizing myself or getting people out to see me, I forget. I, I You can psychoanalyze that. You can think it's some, you know, interior uh, inside job of self-sabotage, but I'm going to do it right now. I want to give you some March dates. I don't know where you are, but I'm just going to run these by you in case I'm nearby. You can travel or come down and say hi, wear your what the fuck t-shirts. Uh, I'd love to see you at the shows. So let's go over a couple March dates in March 4th, 5th, and 6th. I'll be at the Palms in Vegas, March 11th, 12th, and 13th, uh, Glasgow, Scotland. So if you can't make the Palms in Vegas show, just go over to Scotland, and uh, I'll be at the uh, Glasgow Comedy Festival. March 21st, Cleveland, Ohio at the Grog Shop. March 22nd, the Black Cat in Washington, D.C. And March 25th, 26th, 27th at the Funny Bone in Bloomington, Indiana. So I'm going to be running around. I'm going to Scotland again. Now I'm, I'm all concerned because I know there's video of me in Australia talking about Scotland in not the greatest way because I did not have a good time there. I don't travel abroad well. And it, it sort of makes me think about it. What, why don't I? What is it about me? Because I certainly like, you know, I think I like going other places. I think it's very interesting to go other places. I don't socialize that well. Yeah, I end up wandering around by myself too much. Scotland was a bust because I was there for 30 days and it wasn't a good time. It wasn't Scotland's fault. I was in Australia for two weeks. I was miserable, but it wasn't Australia's fault. I had other things going on in my mind and heart. You bring your baggage with you wherever you go. That's the old rap about you can't cure anything by with a geographical cure. You can't like run away from your problems, but that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed touching wallabies. I enjoyed uh, eating. I like to eat places. And and I, I, I'm starting to realize, and I, even though I'm critical of America on some levels, you know, I'm usually politically and culturally, there's part of me, the, the latest thing that I'm really hung up on is I'm getting to this point where I turn on the television or I go to a comedy club, or I go to a movie, and I, I literally have this visceral reaction where I'm thinking, haven't we been entertained enough? 
Haven't we been entertained enough? Why are we so entitled to fucking entertainment all the time? Now, I know some of you listen to me because I'm entertaining, but I get to this point where it's like, aren't we just continuing the problem, buttressing our denial, avoiding the realities of where we are in the world? Doesn't everybody realize that every day is judgment day at this point in time? Every day, time is precious. Time is running out. But it's just how much of our lives do we have to entertain away? I keep coming back around to this point where it's like, what are we, children? And then I think like, well, get out and do something. Go travel. Where the hell am I going to go? And then I start thinking, I love America. I do love America. America is amazing. There's a lot of great things about America. And it resonated with me so much yesterday because I'm having people over for dinner. And I don't usually have people over for dinner. I don't have a reason. You know, usually that's something you do when you're married because then you're like, let's have other married people over for dinner. Single people, I don't have so many people over for dinner because then you end up having married people over for dinner and you feel like an idiot. Well, I'm, gra- I'm glad all my married friends, well, I got to invite the couple, I got to invite him and his wife and her and, and her husband and then you're all alone. But it just so happens that my manager, who happens to be British, it's not necessary for the story. She's coming over with a, a woman, a writer, and, and the woman I'm dating is coming over. And we're going to have dinner. And I decide I'll make a tagine. I've talked about tagines before. I talked about breaking a tagine uh, that uh, that someone bought me. And, and now I, I wanted to make a tagine because I like the Moroccan food thing. So then I end up going to Super King, which I've mentioned on this show briefly. Super King is this colossal supermarket. But it's not a clean, pretty, happy supermarket. It's a supermarket that seems to cater to all the different ethnic groups in the Los Angeles area. I mean, it's mind-blowing. And everything's a nickel. But it reminds me of Queens where you get these amazing deals. Like I saw a 50-gallon, it must have been at least a 25-gallon tub of tahini. And it was cheap. But there's just no way I'm going to get through that. It doesn't matter how much hummus I make. But the point I'm trying to make is when I have people coming over, I want to try some new cooking things. I want to I want to have a reason to, to make things. So I, I decide I'm going to make this tagine. And then I decide, well, I want to make this Moroccan hot sauce that I had once in my life. So I do a little research. I find the recipe. I find the ingredients. And then I decide I, you know, I've got a cabbage sitting in my refrigerator that I bought at the farmer's market last week. And I'm like thinking, well, I was going to make that Second Avenue Deli coleslaw, but maybe I'll make uh, something Moroccan. So I just go on the internet. I go on Google. I Google Moroccan cabbage. And sure enough, next thing you know, I'm watching a video of a Moroccan woman preparing some sort of cabbage dish. And I'm watching her going, hello, my name is Gia. Welcome to Gia's uh, Moroccan kitchen. And, And then like all of a sudden I'm like, I can make that. That looks okay. I wonder if I can pull it off. And I'm mashing cabbage. She's like, you must mash the cabbage with the wooden fork. And I never wooden fork, but it doesn't matter. I used a food processor. I look, I'm not, I don't need to do it the ancient way. And then I start judging myself where I'm making the cabbage. And I'm thinking, you know, if I serve this to a Moroccan family, they'd probably say that my mother makes it better. And then I'm thinking, who the fuck are you talking to? I mean, taste it. See if it tastes good. No, you're not. That, you're not. I'm not having Moroccan people over who are going to say that you know you, you you don't make this mashed cabbage like my mom made it in Morocco. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with me? But I made the cabbage. I made this hot sauce that was spectacular. It, you know, you had to soak red chilies, uh, two different types of chili peppers, add caraway seeds and coriander and cumin and garlic, and you make it into a paste, and then you coat it with olive oil, and it looks like it came out good. The point being 
The amazing thing about America and the thing that I love about America is I can go to Super King and mingle with the world, a world of people I don't know. I don't know where everybody's from. I don't know where where, where their uh, where their roots are. I, I, I see their different types of breads. I see the different. It's amazing just to walk past, you know, a hundred different kinds of sausages and go, what the fuck do they do with that? And that's not being condescending. It's like, it looks weird. Maybe it's good. I don't know. It doesn't mean that I'm going to learn what they do with it. But I like the the community feeling of a bunch of different cultures coming together to shop in one place, to buy food. And there's something uniquely American about that. There's a tolerance to it. There's a curiosity to it. But why don't I want to go to Morocco? I mean, I do in my mind, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid. What's going to happen to me in Morocco? Is Morocco safe? I mean, what happens in Morocco? I mean, it seems pretty exotic, but it might be a little dangerous. And then people are like, don't worry about it. You go, you get on the thing and you, you buy a ticket to the place and then you just you eat and then you come home and it's very nice. You swim at the thing. I mean, it's that simple. I just got to make the jump to go. I have this aversion. I get, I, I'm, I'm one of these people. You would think because of the way I, I talk and, the, and how critical I am of, of certain elements in this country, the, the government and certain types of people here, you know, why wouldn't I want to just get the fuck out and go somewhere else? Because I'm afraid. And it seems like a lot of work. And I don't know where to go because I don't, I've only, I've been to Hawaii. Uh, I like Hawaii, but that's, that's still America. I, you know, I've been to Spain. I've been to France. I've been to Italy, which I loved. And then I start thinking like Russia would be interesting. I have roots in Russia. My people come from Russia. That would be, I would like to go to St. Petersburg. I'd like to check that out. I'd love to go to India, but that's frightening for all kinds of bacterial reasons. And I, I don't know, but I got to just rise above it and quit being a frightened American. Yeah, and then people say like, you know, they're taking our freedoms away. Are you fucking out of your mind? Are you out of your fucking mind? You should get out of your mind and then realize how much freedom you have. I mean, when I hear people say, like, it's coming down, we're all going to be marked, we're going to be coded, we're going to be watched by, uh, you know, by spaceships, we're going to be tagged. We have a freedom of mind in America, and we can get into a car and, and listen to whatever music we want, go everywhere, wherever the hell we want to go. We, can, we, we have the freedom to make our own choices about how we want to live our lives and what we want to do with our lives. People want to sit around and complain and be paranoid, and they start putting together big reasons why we're all fucked. Yeah, I, I just, I, I love, I love America. I love getting in my car. I like going to the Super King and watching Armenian people fight over food and watching Russian people buy food and watching the Mexican community buy food and watching uh, Ukrainians and Egyptians buy food. I feel like we're all there. I wish we could all just stay there and take turns cooking, maybe. I hope this Moroccan food is good that I made. I have a guest that's, that really, he's coming up here, Kumail. Nanjiani uh, is a comedian who grew up in Pakistan, has lived here for a while, and I'm looking forward to talking to him about what that's like. The immigrants' experience in America, I mean, we should all be as grateful and excited as immigrants every day in this country. Seriously, for all your complaints and all your bitching, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I'd rather go to Morocco, I'd rather visit Pakistan than some states in this country at this point in time, because I don't see much difference. And I don't, I'm not talking about the type of ethnicity I'm talking about, the narrow-mindedness and the control and the ostracization of people based on ideology happens here, happens there. Obviously, it's a, a little better here because you can still go to the supermarket and stuff, Barnes and Noble maybe. 
even if you're surrounded by idiots, you can always find a little pocket of freedom. So Kamal is here, and uh, let's get to talking to him, because I have a feeling this is going to be a very compelling and interesting interview. But before I do that, pow! Wow, did I just shit my pants. I got an email today. I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna just bring this up because it, it was interesting. It was just coincidental, and I'll and I'll tell you exactly what the exchange was. I get an email from a guy named uh, Amar. I, I guess that's an Indian name. A M A R. It could be Indian or Pakistani. That's Hindu yeah, or Muslim. That's yeah. right. Okay. So then, uh, at the end of the email, he says. Um, People complain about not enough black people on your show, but how about Indians? Where's <laughs> the love for brown subcontinental second-generation immigrants? I suggest you get Hari Kondabolu on your show, or you can get, uh, if you can't get Hari, like he, he's, he's tough to get. <laughs> uh, you can get Aziz, which is just so much easier. Yeah, easier right? to get Aziz, yeah. yeah, definitely. So I wrote back, I said, I like Hari, he's not out here too often. Kamel Nanjani, is that my saying it right? Close enough. Just say it. Nanjiani. Kamel Nanjiani. Perfect. Okay. Is coming by today, uh, Pakistan. You okay with that, pal? And then I get back in caps, death to Pakis. Really? Yeah. Death and, to Pakis. Yeah. And then I wrote, hmm, I'll bring that up with him. I like somebody who's like forward enough to want la- racial diversity on your show. Right. But not, but draw the line at Pakistanis, you know? Like, well, let's not get Well, I'm assuming that he's Indian. Yeah, and yeah, I and I'm I, sure, from yeah. what I understand, there's some tension there. Yeah, there has been historically. Yeah, and the original idea of, of Pakistan was to create a, a Muslim state. No. Yeah, I think it was the first country based made purely for religious reasons. Okay, but it was originally part of India. Mm-hmm. It was all one big country. Yeah, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh were all big one. one right. Big so country. then we get this kind of crap. Yeah. Do you find that in your life? I mean, like, I know Hari Kondabolu. He's a, he's a funny guy. He does an Indian version of me, which I find flattering. <laughs> you know, I know Aziz, kind of. He's, I thought he was Pakistani, though. No, Aziz is Muslim, but he's Indian. Okay, well, let's not get religious. Yeah. But I'm just saying, is there tension outside of religion between Pakistanis and Indians? Set aside the Muslim-Hindi thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I have a lot of Indian friends. I don't think, I mean, historically, if you're there, it's easy because you're like, all you hear is India sucks, or if you're in India, Pakistan sucks. So you gotta, unless you get out of there, it's hard to escape that mindset, you know? Hold on, I'm fixing the heater. Okay. Well, I, I find that, uh, that they both seem to be problematic for me, but not in the same way they might be uh, problematic for you. Just on a global level, it seems Pakistan is a bit chaotic. We don't oh, really yeah. know what's going to happen. Uh, India, very poor, but uh, doing a lot of things with the uh, uh, making great progress in a lot of different areas. It's not a problem to me, but uh, there seems to be a, a fairly profound class struggle there. I, I, I'm not going to get into it. There's class struggles both in Pakistan and India. I mean, the disparity of wealth in both those countries is huge. Well, you're, you know, you and I have had our, our issues. Our but, issues? but they have nothing to do with ethnicity. No, they're, we just personally had yeah. issues. So that, <laughs> I don't think it's issues. I mean, you came up to me. I didn't know who you were. You said you're a big fan. Then you watched me, and then I watched you. And then all of a sudden, I thought you got attitude, but then you said you were just nervous, and now now you're out here. Yeah, you're a very intimidating guy, especially because, you know, I mean, I, I watched a lot of you, and I was a big fan forever. Did I ruin that? 
No, 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 All you right. didn't. But, you know, I, I was, I think I was uh, just a little intimidated. Well, the funny thing is, the first time I saw you, I was like, I don't quite get it. And then, and then I watched you, you're very funny, you know, you tell stories, you're very good at it, you're smart, you use good language, you're very personal, and, and uh, I'm a fan, so can we set it all aside? It's all gone. Do you yeah. feel better? Um, yeah, yeah, it's been gone. For- so, all right, so it's been gone before, so what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you're before. from Pakistan originally, uh-huh. but you grew up here. No, I grew up, I was 18 when I moved here. That's pretty recent. Mm-hmm. How old are you now? 31. Well, not that recent, but you. But yeah. most of your formative years were in Pakistan. Definitely. So you left, your family left. I left, I came alone. I, I you was just 18. Had, you, you had enough? Or? I was like, fuck this place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, it's so hot and poor over here. I'm hungry all the time. No, it was, you know, that was always the plan. Like my mom was, you know, I, I went to an English speaking school because the plan was always just get me out of Pakistan. Right. For an education or for good? For good. For good. Why? Because they sensed that it was not going well there? Or, I mean, it, do they not... Uh... Yeah, the burning cars were a good hint. Really? I mean, you, you wake know... up, there's burning cars. Well, you maybe know... we should go. <laughs> well, you know, it's weird because all you hear about Karachi here is negative stuff. Like, we only make the news if we're doing something terrible, you know? All right, we'll talk about some good stuff. I know there's some fine breads and... Uh, Our and food is fucking amazing. The we... best. It's the yeah, best. It's I... the best food. You Does know? your mom actually have a clay oven? No, she doesn't. Then how I does she make did. none? She buys it from people who have clay ovens. She doesn't make them herself. Does she make anything by herself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some she's of the, an amazing the chickpea cook. dishes or the lamb dishes? Yeah, she's an amazing Just cook. the bread she outsources. She outsources the bread. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But rice, she makes rice on her own. <laughs> dosas. I mean, she's an amazing cook. She makes dosas on her own, so she can, she's got that pan. She's got that one, yeah. Okay. That's like a wok, like a flat thing, you know? Right, yeah. A clay oven, you need like infrastructure and shit. Yeah, I was thinking about getting one, but I'm not even Indian or Pakistani. (laughs) Even though I like the food a lot, I think it would be extravagant. No, it's great. It's great food. Yeah. So, okay, so tell me some other good things about Pakistan. Is it pretty? Not Karachi. Karachi's not pretty. But like the country, do you like, let's take a ride to and and enjoy life? Well, you'd have to go pretty far, yeah. To where? Like up north Kashmir around there is very pretty. But, you know, I mean, part of our- Is that a day trip or is it- No, that's, that's, you know, you got to fly Can you get there in a car? It would take you a long time. Really? Yeah, you got to fly there. Well, I mean, and part of the reason we're so poor is that our, we don't, it's not very green, you know? I mean, a big chunk of Pakistan is desert, and then it's mountainous region, so it, it's not that pretty. I hear it's very easy for the Taliban to hide in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very easy. It's gr- We've got some great nooks and crannies. It's just teeming with Taliban, all the nooks and crannies of the uh, Pakistani well, countryside. Y- you know, the uh, Northwest mm-hmm. is teeming with Afghanis. I mean, we had guns... You know, uh, when I went to school, when I went to high school, there would be kids who'd have bodyguards with AK-47s, and they would come to school with these bodyguards who had AK-47s. And these are all guns. We call them Kalashnikovs. These are all guns from, like, back when Afghanistan okay, was Okay, let's fighting. go back to these kids. Which kids specifically? Was that just something, a, a service that some parents could afford? Or Yeah, I mean, like I said, the disparity of wealth. So the guys know? would sit there in the gun with the guns next to him at the desk? Like, he'd be at a no, desk? No, no, no. They would drop him off and then pick him up at the end of the day. And these were, I mean, these were a lot of, like, kids of, like, politicians and ministers and stuff like that. Yeah, it always seems that uh, Pakistan is about to be in big trouble. Or it's he, in big trouble, pretty perpetually in big trouble yeah it's always up and down i mean I, there's some good yeah weeks yeah good weeks we get good weeks a couple good weeks a year so where did you end up first when you came to the states uh i went to iowa 
I land. I left Karachi and I landed in Des Moines. There's Iowa. no nooks and crannies in Iowa. No, it's, it's very just flat. flat. Yeah, but I guess the Taliban could hide in the cornfields. They didn't come or with the pig me. farms. They stayed back there. Oh, they did. You they didn't bring need, them. What are they going to do in Iowa? What are they going to buy? I thought, did you bring a couple of guys with Kalashnikovs to <laughs> no. protect you in Iowa? No, they couldn't get through the metal detector. So it was your choice? You were like, I'm going to the States, going to Iowa. Yeah, Where yeah, the fuck definitely. does that come from? What do you, why would you do that? Well, <laughs> I have nothing against Iowa other than who goes there. Well, you've clearly never lived there. That's why you have nothing against it. No, I loved Iowa. Well, you know what? It was great for me because if I go from Pakistan, if I'm going from Karachi to New York, nobody's going to give a shit about me. You know, not the Pakistani New York, but you go to Iowa, you're, there's not that many people around. You can slowly like get used to the cultural stuff, you know? And Which cultural stuff would that be in Iowa? Uh, I mean, everything's Just different. White people, you mean? No, I mean everything's different. No, I, I know that. I, I understand that, but it's not a. Is it a, rep, a good representation of the states? Or you, you found it a good? It's a good stepping stone. Entry level. It's a good. Yeah, it's a gateway to the states. It's a yeah. gateway to the states. Well, it's good. You, so, so then you're in the weird position, the awkward position, to having had to leave one country and then getting to that same feeling with a state. Like I've got to get out. Oh of here. yeah, definitely. What, what spurred that on? What What was the the uh, the exile from Iowa about? Well, it was mostly about getting out of Iowa. I mean, I love Iowa, but there's nothing there. I mean, what are you going to do after I graduate from school? And oh, so I wanted to, to pursue comedy. Yeah, I went, you went to, school. to college here. Where'd yeah, you go went, to college? It's called Grinnell College. It's a tiny school in like a town of nine thousand people. Were you the only Pakistani? No, there were like three of us. Shit, I think. that must have been rough. <laughs> yeah. Did you like the other two? We're competing for attention. Uh. Yeah, they were fine, I guess. Did you guys speak know. Pakistani? One of them was named Amar, that's why. Huh? Did What's you speak uh, your native language? What is your native language? Urdu. It's spoken the same as Hindi, but it's a different script. What do you mean, a different, a different so, script? So, you know, it's the opposite. So, like, English and Spanish is the same script, but different languages spoken differently. Hindi and Urdu are the opposite. So they're spoken the same, but when you write them down, they look completely different. So I can talk to somebody... Who speaks Hindi? But, but if I he can't wrote read you a letter, says. you'd be lost. No, yeah, it would look like squiggles. Why'd they design it like that? That seems ridiculous. I don't know. They use a Sanskrit script or whatever. Yeah, but who Arab. made that choice? Why did they have to create a difference at that level if you're both speaking the same language? I don't know, man. You haven't speculated about this? <laughs> no, I come on, I, you're a thinker. I've put no Why'd they thought do that into to that. You? I've put no thought into that. All right, so you and the other two Pakistani guys are in Iowa, speaking what Urdu, is it? Urdu, Urdu, yeah. And uh, people are like, look at them. They're interesting. <laughs> it is true. I mean, did, did white girls sort of like uh, f seek you out? Well, the weird thing was, it was so like, there was so much like liberal white guilt that people didn't want to acknowledge race at all. So it was almost like people would go out of their way to not ask me about Pakistan. Really? Yeah. And you know, I mean. Isn't that offensive in its own way? It is. I mean, and you know, that was an attitude that I had for a while, like doing stand up was I wouldn't talk about being Pakistani. And then I sort of worked into finally being able to talk about it. Like what was the first, what was your your first breakthrough surprise I'm a Pakistani joke? Um, I don't even, oh, there was one joke, stupid, where I go, people always want me to do ethnic jokes. So I wrote this ethnic joke and then I just talk in Urdu for like a couple minutes. That was like the first one. I'd like to hear a little Ur Urdu. What do you want me to say? I'd like you to say that... Uh, Mark Maron's podcast is uh, really spectacular. Most of those words are not even going to be translated. Okay, then why don't you say, this is a very okay. nice garage. Kafi garage. Garage? Garage hai. 
Head, so you just add head at the end? No, Kafia Chagaraj. There's more before garage too. Kafia Chakra? Kafi. Kafi. Very. Very. Acha. Acha. Is good. Okay. Garage. Garage. It's garage. And then he. He is is. Oh, so you threw the is after the garage. No, I didn't just throw it there. That's how we do it. We no, but I, I thought you were just like, like you were adding like he to the end of garage because that's what you do when the word doesn't exist in your language. No, no, no. We signified. don't do that. We just say, we just say the word. We okay. just say the word. Mark Marin keep podcast. Pod zabardast. He. 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 Do you always that's throw it. is at the end? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. I have no aptitude for languages. Do you speak any other languages? No, I tried to learn Spanish because I thought I'd probably have an aptitude and I was terrible at it. Really? I, I think, think it's just because I... a different speak, script. Speaking since I was a kid, you know? <laughs> yeah, I could read Spanish. How'd you get the English under your belt? I was like five or something when I started learning English. I remember actually the day I started learning English in school. They were yeah. showing us a picture of a tiger and they yeah. were like tiger yeah i remember being pissed off like i already know how to say this word why do i need a whole new way what of was the word that you knew word? cheetah which is you know that's a different animal <laughs> no that's what we call tiger you're wrong that's what we call it what do you call a cheetah, cheetah. uh tiger, tiger? <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah it's a weird language so now let's talk about the problems the problems i, well, I think it's an interesting story that you uh, were performing a one-man show. Uh-huh. Can we talk about this? We can talk about it a little bit. In yeah. a general way? In a general way, yeah. That you were performing the one-man show in New York mm -hmm. about your family. What was it about? About me. It, okay. was, it was sort of- It was of about a your personal religious struggle. Yeah. With yeah. your heritage and, and- It was about me growing up in Pakistan moving here. Right. That was basically what it was. And it was a good show. Got a lot of uh, critical acclaim. I was proud of it. Okay. I liked it. So why'd you stop doing it? Many reasons. Uh, one, you know, it felt weird. You, you, you get very confessional on stage, but for me it was really weird because it was this really personal story that I wanted to tell that was like a big, you know, I wanted to do it. It was like a personal therapy thing to articulate these things. But when I was on stage and I would do the show afterwards, I felt like, all these people thought they knew me and they would come up and be like, oh, your parents now. And that kind of would bug me. I just, on stage. You used like, to do radio. Jesus Christ, they actually. Vulnerable. Yeah. But yeah. you do that more now. You mean, maybe the show uh, sort of broke you open to that. But it this, did. But this, like, you know, so you felt the way I feel after most sets. Like last night, I walked away feeling like, why did I just rape myself on stage? Why did I divulge? Well, it's not as intense as when you go on stage. But I try and, you know, I want to give the audience a little piece of who I am. But uh, there are certain things that I, you know, I, what's so amazing about you is that you can go up there and basically, it seems to me, really really bare your soul right like yeah that's part of what you want to do up there yeah, right the, not the crying part not the, just without the tears I, well, I, I think that the that like i personally get tired of the language of comedy and i've been tired of it a long time i understand i that. find that jokes are limiting uh -huh. and i feel that a lot of times as comics we get up there and all of a sudden it's like hey how's everybody doing yeah, yeah, yeah. and and we literally get on stage and then limit ourselves 
to to a tone, to a, persona. To a cadence, yeah. to a rhythm, to a structure that are jokes. I think my jokes happen organically. I do have structured jokes, but they don't. Right. I don't structure them on paper. So what what I began to feel was like I think a lot of why people laugh at what I do is that it is is just because it is real right. and it is confessional and it is a little uncomfortable. Right. And and I think that. In my mind, a good joke will always trump just about anything, but you can take a good joke, you can laugh at it because of a turn of phrase or a reference or a rhythm to it. You can repeat it, but to have the experience where that stuff gets pushed aside and you just are engaged and laughing because of a feeling, right. to me, that, that is very rewarding and not easy to repeat all the time. But but you know as I say things more joke structure as you know it's a, it's a, most of my writing is done on stage and it, it develops over time I have to say it up there first it starts out confessional and disconcerting maybe a little uncomfortable but hopefully it'll evolve into something that is comfortable uh, up there yeah it's really impressive that you can go, do that and like, it's not a marketable skill really no it is it is I mean you had one man shows that were very well regarded and reviewed and you know there were hits and everything and I think. I mean, that's the interesting thing is that you can like, you know, all this, your your darkest thoughts, you can articulate, go but to on me, stage, it's like make the, them relatable. Like that's Right. Well, I think everybody has them. There's a transparency mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. Obviously, some of them are going to be like, this guy's fucked up and that's fine. So laugh at me and be thankful you're not me. Right. Okay. <laughs> but, but I, but like with your one man show, so you did this thing revealing yourself and your personal struggle and your heritage and it made you uncomfortable and people knew more about you. And also I think as, as somebody who comes from another place, when, when people in this country see it, that liberal guilt kicks in as well and they're like, they're concerned and they're excited that you shared this heritage with them and, and, uh, and they, they assume a certain intimacy with you that you found uncomfortable. They assume a certain intimacy, they also assume a certain, like they generalize that then to everything because you know, it was hard for me to communicate you know, that this is my this is my journey with the religious stuff and the cultural stuff. This is not how everybody feels, but whenever I do the show, people would sort of generalize that to everyone. And I that was weird for me and also I think the way the political situation right now is with Muslims sort of demonized and everything. I think my show came at a weird time for that too. Like well, well without me. being getting yourself into trouble again somehow because I know you're sensitive about it that that from from what I understand, you're saying that because of the way you handled the religious elements in, of your show, that you literally got threatened and censored. Yeah, not censored. I got I got emails and stuff, and I got threatened and from people in Pakistan. Mm hmm. Yeah, people in Pakistan. Would they be um, Taliban people? No, I don't. I mean, I don't know who specifically they were. But the problem is, you know, my 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 last name is very specific. So I'm here and I feel pretty safe. But back there, my family, you know, I I wouldn't want them to go through anything because of me. And then ultimately, my my parents sort of asked me to not do the show, and I it was a tough decision. But I sort of thought about it a lot and I decided you know it's not just my story it's their story as well and if they don't want me to tell it then maybe I don't have the right to tell it anymore you know that's interesting because I, I don't I don't know if I, I necessarily agree with that but I understand that you certainly don't want to carry the burden of getting somebody in trouble or hurt uh, you know to to uh, to share this story it, it be, but maybe at some point if things change maybe you will yeah the other I mean there were so many Thing. Another thing was, you know, I'd written the 
the show when I was at a specific point in my life. And then I was performing it up until about maybe two years after I wrote it. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in that same place anymore. So it felt a little disingenuous to me. It felt a little insincere to me to keep doing the show when a lot of... You'd work through it. Yeah, you had yeah. worked through the feelings. It just wasn't as urgent to me. Yeah, yeah, I have that that stuff with my divorce show, but you know, but I find that sometimes when the distance comes, you you can actually perform it better with less risk. Uh, you know, personally, but mm-hmm. obviously it's a bigger picture with you. Now, do you find that some of this flack comes from the fact that that Pakistan is, from what you're saying, a fairly um, regimented and and regulated religious state yeah i mean you know we have sharia law which is right law that you, that you have no freedom there is no separation of church and state like that's not so if you are to question that uh system it's punishable by death like saying anything against anything that's considered sacrilegious is punishable by death like they kill you they, that's what happened to salman rushdie they didn't kill him, but they put a fatwa. That's what that him. was, yeah, because what he wrote was construed as being. So sacred. you were in a similar situation in a smaller way, much much smaller way. Yeah. But it could have gotten worse. Yes, certainly. Wow, that is some fucking heavy shit. Yeah, I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad close. you have peace with it in the sense that you you had worked through whatever you need to work through and you decided it was a personal issue when you didn't want to take any more risks like that because there's part of me as a comic where and as an american you think like oh, fuck them man just do yeah. it yeah yeah but, yeah but we don't know what you were going you through. don't really realize i mean uh, this is the thing americans have you have this like sense of security that's always there you assume safety unless it's threatened whereas where i'm from that's not we don't have a like a sense of security we don't have that like so when my friends here were like do it you'll be fine it's like no might not be fine i mean these are real real issues yeah it's not it's not even it but the weird thing is is that not only do you not have a sense of personal security uh where you're from but that that has legs that follows you oh man oh See, yeah that, that's the weird thing is like it's such tribal shit in the sense of like look you know we know your family lives here i mean yeah. that is old school Oh, you yeah, know, very old school. Tribal, yeah, you know, I mean, stuff. It's fucking terrifying, yeah. Well, and these people, I mean, you know, they think they're doing the right thing. These are things that'll get them into heaven. So it's not even, they're not in their heads doing something bad. They're not bad guys. They're doing the Lord, Lord's work, you know. They're like soldiers. It's I, but I, I was under the impression uh, that, that, that some of that is a misinterpretation. I mean, you know, we have Orthodox people. Uh, Jews are Orthodox. Uh, we have radical Christians, and I, I guess that there is a, a similarity, but but it doesn't, it, you know, it just seems that they're a little more pliable, even radical Christians and even Orthodox Jews. I mean, as Orthodox as Jews get, I still see them driving around uh, the Lower East Side in their station wagons cruising <laughs> right. for prostitutes. They're, really? They're, wow. Sure. There are exceptions made. You know, there's a more of a negotiation with God. There is. I think uh, those religions maybe allow for more reinterpretation and... Uh, stuff like that then maybe at least the way that Islam is in Pakistan does because you know anytime you question something in the Quran or you try and reinterpret it that can be construed as sacrilegious and you know it's capital punishment so it sort of stifles any dialogue you can have about it so there's no chance of you taking the show to Pakistan no (laughs) (laughs) oh geez no I'd have to get a bunch of guys with AK-47s. Right, and they might not be on your side. They won't be on my side. Why would they be on yeah, my you side? Yeah, you gotta be careful in Pakistan. You just never knew when there was gonna be a coup. 
at your theater presentation yeah no i mean it's such a such a you know there's always shit going on we haven't had a a a government serve a full term since i was born yeah what is a full isn't a four years isn't a full term there until you get shot or (laughs) yes i guess many have many have or or run away or blow up in a plane yeah yeah. that happened that's i think in the uh in the bylaws of the constitution unless a full term uh ends when someone is assassinated Well, I mean, Musharraf, they've tried to kill him like 90-something times. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's like a That cat. was the thing. Like, you know when Benazir Bhutto, you know Benazir Bhutto, right? Sure. Like when she killed, when she got killed, all these, like, you know, all the countries were issuing statements like France or whatever, and they were like, this is truly shocking. I'm like, really? Was it really shocking? We They've tried to kill her over 100 times. Like a female head of state in a Muslim nation yeah. gets killed. That's yeah. not... That's yeah, shocking. Yeah, yeah, it's expected. Sadly, it's, it's a story often told. Yeah. Now you're in America, and you've married an American woman. Mm-hmm. From where is she from? Uh, North Carolina. Not only an American woman, a Southern American woman. She is very Southern. And she has a Southern family. Uh huh. Way Southern. Like, what are we talking? Civil War Southern? Like, oh, how long has the family been here? Since the Revolution? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, they've uh-huh. been around forever. They're now, like- how was that uh, first? Let's go visit my parents. Uh, you know, it was great. Like when my mom, I told my mom that I was going to, that I was dating this girl. And it, she, my mom obviously freaked out. There's a lot of crying and stuff. But then to her credit, my mom w- was like very accepting of her when she realized that I really love this woman you know right so it became about so it became yeah. this thing like even though it's against like her religion and culturally everything's against it and you know our family i'm sure people talking about it yeah. behind her back and yeah. her face but it was really nice that ultimately my happiness is what was most important to her but that so that's not uh, punishable by death that one no what's not. that punishable by uh what marrying a white woman yeah i think having sex out of wedlock is you know, you whip. I don't think it's death, but you whip him. Or no, stone to death. What, stone to death. Just a woman, though, right? The guy sort of like gets reprimanded. The guy gets high fives. Yeah, yeah. the guy. <laughs> well, did, you know, I did mean, you learn something? Do you want to watch her die? And you know how they do it? They put you in a pit. They throw stones at you. They don't really stone you to death. And then at some point, they shoot you. That seems like cheating. See now, it that is to cheating. Me it is cheating. Is, is a mis- that that is going against the the uh, the rules of the book? Yeah, because the Quran doesn't mention guns at all. Yeah, fourteen hundred. What's years that ago? story you talk about? I was talking to this guy in Saudi Arabia about. Uh, oh, he no, we were talking about Saudi Arabia and gender inequality there. And yeah, he said that it wasn't their fault because the Quran said that women shouldn't drive. And uh, I said, if the Quran had said 1,400 years ago that women shouldn't drive, I would be at the mosque every day. <laughs> and so would you, Mark Maron. You'd be at the mosque if the Quran it's had called that. It's a hell of a that. book. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, holy shit. I knew the cars were coming. Clearly the right religion. <laughs> They're clearly right. Everyone's Muslim, no more strife. <laughs> <laughs> this book knows what it's talking yeah. about. But so how did her family uh, react to you? They were great. You know... Uh, I don't. But, I mean, how southern are they? Like, so what's your name? How you pronounce it? Yeah, they're that southern. They called me Borat for the first. No, they did not. Yeah, they called you Borat. <laughs> they called me Borat, and I, yeah, 
They called me Bora. And I found out because we we're going to a, a family reunion and her uncle was like, well, she said we can't call you Borat. And I was like, you guys were calling me Bora? <laughs> <laughs> and Emily had like a serious talk with them. was like, don't say this, don't say this. Uh, but I think that was, you know, I actually think that was like their way of trying to relate to me. Like Borat, which is, I think, even the wrong continent, right? I, I, isn't that, uh, yeah, it is the wrong it's like continent. former USSR. Um, I think you know they 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 were trying to relate to me, and Borat was the closest they could get. So, so they were trying to relate to you by by calling the name of a, a buffoon, who is completely you know inappropriate. Well, and, who they and, think and, is hilarious and almost retarded, <laughs> right? So that oh, so you're saying that like because you were a comedian, but that, I, I don't think that was part of it. I think you don't think that if you weren't a comedian, they wouldn't have called you like Hussein or 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 Ben Laden. Well, I'll take Borat over Bin Laden, I guess. I, I think so. Yeah. I think it's a little more a term of endearment. <laughs> but, it, it, yeah. but it is just sort of, it, it is ignorant still. I, I don't mean to be crass or, um, or insult your family. But to call you Borat, I mean, it's cute, but the Southern, you know, white bigots do a lot of things. I'm not saying they're bigots, but it, it simplifies things. It does simplify things. And I think that for them, that was the only way that they could relate to me was by simplifying things. I mean, you know, they haven't met me yet. They've seen pictures of me. All right. So now they know you. Can they pronounce your name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they, you know, uh, they called. Me, I, w- I was like, it's Kumail, you know, like email, but with a coup, so like Kumail. And then they called me email for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you're no, not, parents n- are not there, they probably call you. I don't know what they call me when yeah. I'm not there. But her parents are great. You know, how, you know, they're sort of. Do you think they had the conversation? It's like, well, he's brown, but is he black? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, well, when I'm down there, you see shirts that are like the South will rise again and stuff yeah, like that. Sure you will. know, it gets pretty like. I say, let them have it. Know. I say, let's let's let all the people that think that way go to a few states and they can have their own. Those government. are your states. We'll make, put up gates. Make, make some money. Yeah. yeah, I don't care if they put up gates. Just yeah, we'll do, have yeah. immigrate. Yeah, we won't go there. Yeah, yeah. no problem. <laughs> and you Enjoy can't yourself. come here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. New York's off limits. No more shows. But the problem is, is that. Eventually, a lot of people down there, even if they think that way, they want to see a musical, you know, or, or right. They want to go to Broadway. Right. Yeah. They want to go to San Francisco and Fisherman's Wharf, and so that we'll have to give them. They'll have to have passes. There's only know, so much in Georgia. Vacation visas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's been no problems down there, for you. No, no, they've been very. In fact, they, I think they think it's kind of cool, like because you know, I mean, it's southern, pretty white. Uh, been there generations and now suddenly the daughter is married to a Pakistani like that's exotic I, thought, I, I, I drifted for a minute I thought you said that they have another daughter who married a Pakistani no no just that, me at that point they'd have to sort of say well, <laughs> like what are we doing <laughs> wrong we need to fix something it's like we're fucking up in a very specific way <laughs> it's very specific something we did makes all our daughters marry Pakistanis <laughs> uh, that'd be great have they crossed any lines with you in the sense of like uh do they act too polite around some things or do you know, Yeah, you... I mean, definitely. Uh, well, it was funny. Like when I first had like Thanksgiving with them, they mm. and Emily had prepped and whatever. So I was sitting around with the family and it was fine, nothing. And then I made some crack, like we're talking about the airport. I make some hack, you know, when you're with family, you make a hack joke, some, some hack joke about getting stopped at security or something because of being brown. Did it happen to you? I don't even remember if it had. It happens to me, but you know what? Since nine eleven, it happens way less. 
it used to happen to me more. That's that guilt thing again. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like uh, they don't want to. Yeah. So actually, I've flown with Eugene Mormon a couple of times. Yeah. And both times he's gotten stopped and I have not. Well, he's, he's more dubious. He I, is yeah. more dubious. He's Russian and oh, large. Like, he's with the brown guy. Let's stop him. What's yeah, he up to? Yeah. Well, they stopped him because they thought maybe the bomb was in you. You were traveling with him. <laughs> like you were his bomb. Yeah. <laughs> but all right. So you made the hack joke. Oh, they make some hack like airport joke and they laughed so hard hard like way harder because they were like finally he's admitting it yeah, you know yeah. he should have like why is this not mentioned yet yeah. like the, the did you end the, the joke with like the funny thing was i had a bomb and i had a bomb oh, oh yeah. yeah death to america yeah that was the tag yeah <laughs> happy thanksgiving <laughs> <laughs> so uh, all right well now you're in hollywood so what was the deal you had a deal with the network yeah i had a deal with nbc um and they they saw you where um, I think UCB and a couple of other places. And yeah. and they were like, this is it. The time is now. Uh, this guy's smart. He talks good. He's articulate. He's yeah. articulate. He seems you know to be word? a good one, a nice one. He seems to be one of the good ones. It's, <laughs> it's rare. It's hard to find one of the good ones. And and what was it, uh, what was it based on? What's the show? The show was going to be, it, it's about me marrying a white girl from North Carolina, you know. Oh, okay. Like you said, you know, the first deals are always like really autobiographical, right? That's what you told me. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, well, well that's what they sort of, uh, that was the old way of, of giving comedians deals was that they would hear the act and they'd say, I see a show. Like Raymond is act. that. Right. Yeah. And uh, there's not too many of them around now, but there no. used to be a lot of them. Yeah. But you know, unfortunately for for everyone involved here, it seems like comedies are on the rebound. And uh, and where's wh- what's going on now? So you wrote a script. Yeah, um, it was being produced by Conoco. So that Conan's company. Yeah, Conan's company. Yeah, with NBC. So that got kind of weird. And what we're, I mean, supposedly it's well, his production company's still intact, but they're probably trying to get him a job. So well, <laughs> well, they're leaving NBC. That's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I saw it in the news some somewhere. Sort of falling out, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's unclear uh, what happened. Yeah, but uh, it's but now apparently it's called, there's problems. It's called Lenoco now. Oh, no. Oh, here we go. Um, no, so I think we're. it's been sort of pushed to mid-season, and we're looking towards that. But, I, I mean, you know, I don't know. I haven't, I towards being to considered for mid-season. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's still. In, not, I don't still look at me like I'm. I'm taking a shot. I'm no, just no, like, no. You're not taking a shot. I mean, I know how these things go. You know how these things go. I know how these things go. So, I, tried, I tried to tell you that. No, you so did. You, no, I, yeah, so you wouldn't I, be upset. No, no, no. I mean, you know, it's I was hard looking to, out for you. I know it's it's, but it's hard to not be upset. But I mean, I talked to them recently, and they said that they. I don't know what this means, but they said that they want to. Uh, you know, in May, start it up again and look towards midseason. And now I'm on Now here. you just got to hope that the people that said that are still working there in May. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's how it is. You know, it's always going to be like this. But I'm like here, like reading for, like a, they had me go out in some NBC auditions. And oh, stuff. that must have been great. Did you have to? Did yeah, you, other people's shows who actually did now, get now did you Now, uh, did you packy it up? Well, the show <laughs> is called Outsourced. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Next week, I'm you have to do for, things uh, like I am not going to answer that phone. No, no, no. I, I am like, not <laughs> going to answer that phone. Hello. <laughs> what would you like to order? <laughs> Uh, Come on, next re- next week I'm reading for arranged marriage. Oh but, no! And then one just called Third World Hunger. That's the next <laughs> That's one. That's hilarious. A new comedy with Russell Peters. It's just hunger. 
um, he's not hungry. He's doing great. He owns the world, Russell Peters. He has hundreds of millions of dollars. He has but his he own has religion. Some... It's Russell Peterism. Do you? What's your take on Russell Peters? I have no idea what he does. Or You've who never he heard any of his stuff. I've heard him for five minutes, and he talks uh, with an Indian accent. and He writes jokes. It's not, it sounds like it's all just straight ahead one-liners almost. He does right? a lot of different, but he does like his whole thing is he does an Asian accent, and like he'll do black people, like he'll do everything. Oh, so he's like an equal opportunity offender, but he's doing it as a uh, from an Indian. So he can baseline. sort of get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Jews used to be able to do that. No more. Yeah. You guys got too powerful. I mean, it's the blessing and the curse, you know, like. I don't know if we got too powerful. They, you know, mm. we just, uh, you know, I mean, the guy who invented that, Lenny Bruce, uh, you know, those kind of people like Don Rickles, uh, I guess it got to a point where they're like, why are we letting the Jews say that shit? But there's still people that enjoy it. But yeah. I guess when an Indian guy says it, it's a natural, it's a natural evolution. You know, the Jews at one time were the minority, were yeah. oppressed, did need to pass, and did need to, uh, you know, sort of express. Uh, I think it leveled the playing field as far as integration. I think those jokes were about integrating different uh, races into the dialogue by taking shots at them. And I guess that the paradigm has shifted. So that. That actually makes it seem kind of noble, like doing all these, uh, you know. I, I don't, I, I, I never was somebody that had a problem with, uh, with, with jokes that I didn't see stereotyping as racist uh, unless it was done in an aggro, you know, in an angry way. Like if it's done to trivialize uh, uh, or, or, or condescend, I, I find that offensive. But, but if it is, uh, you know, saying something that is is relatively true despite the fact that it may be a generalization if it's funny it's funny and if it's true it's true and that's that so you think okay so for somebody like carlos mencia have you seen a lot of his stuff i've seen some of his stuff have you seen his stuff about arabs no you should you should listen to it it's amazing it's like very angry and violent and yeah well i think there was a lot of that sentiment in america i don't i don't you know mencia i i don't know enough about what he does to uh you know if pe what people say is true that he you know he stole material i think that's problematic uh and and i think that a lot of people find him to be racist i don't know enough about yeah. what he does all i know about carlos mencia is that he's been doing stand-up for a long time yeah. And that, uh, you know, it was not some sort of weird overnight fluke right, right, that right. he became popular. Uh, I, I have seen him perform a couple of times and he's very uh, uh, charismatic and angry. So yeah. you're saying that he's racist. I do think he's racist. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that he doesn't get a pass because he's a, 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 a Hungarian and Mexican. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard when he's advocating for, you know, bombing and killing people. Just he's like, just kill everybody over there. Right. He, so he's playing into cheering uh, and, the American. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean. See, that's exactly what I said was the wrong thing to do. Right. Well, uh, the other interesting thing you said was you. So you like stereotype humor or you don't dislike it. It's fine. As I, long as me, it. No, it took me a long time to realize that that when you see a culture uh, speak to itself, if you see a, a black comedian speaking to the black community, utilizing stereotypes that obviously exist as as community signifiers, and having that community laugh hilarious, you know, hysterically at the common uh, acknowledgement yeah, yeah. of those stereotypes, then it exists it's a fairly hackneyed bit of business. I mean, I think the well, real... Well, that's the, the main problem. Right, I think, the, I think the real crime is that, yeah, that, that they're hackneyed. Cliched, they're, yeah. There's, there's no real 
way to to do it. There's in, only in so many stereotypes, and if you're doing jokes about stereotypes, you've done you're doing jokes that many people have done before. But but, but what's interesting is that you're a new stereotype, or that you know you see the axis of evil comics. No, but plenty of people have done. I mean, no, but if you were to perform for an Indian or Pakistani audience, an American Indian or Pakistani I don't do well, by the way, in front of. Indian and American. Well, I'm sure because Pakistani you know you you're, you are not going after that. You are not somebody that's that's speaking to the community. You're you're uh, you're American minded in the sense that you want to speak your own voice. Right. So so right. that's an interesting thing. You know that well. That's that that is individuality is right. such like an American well Western right. thing that right. we don't have as much of a concept of. But, but what what I'm saying is though, in terms of of communities integrating themselves into the American experience, when you look at guys like Ahmed Ahmed, Maz Giovanni, Aaron Cater, and and the other one, Dino Badala, yeah, Palestinian. I guess he does it sometimes, but there are tremendously large American communities of, of Muslims, of, of, of Pakistanis, I would imagine, uh, certainly of uh, Arab uh, people, that one of the ways that the Jews passed and one of the ways the blacks sought a cultural identity was through performing and through comedy. So what you're seeing now is that there's a whole bevy, I would right. imagine, of Pakistani or Arab stereotypes that we don't even know that that community finds hilarious. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. So Very if, specific stuff. Right. So if a white comic was to figure out what those were, and, and, and but the only way he would know that is by marrying into it or spending time in the community. It, yeah. Then it would be kind of interesting. But I just think that once that a white guy can do that kind of stuff, that that culture, that ethnic group has integrated. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. When I was doing my show, I would certainly have a lot of people come up to me who really related to specific parts of the show without getting to, you know, without getting to specific. I did get a lot of emails from people who really related to it. And it was a piece of the population that I didn't know existed, you know, people who had sort of been through the things that I've been well, through. Well, right. Well, the big fear of any religious group, certainly one that, that, that comes from outside of the States, even with the Jews, is that the, the primary intention is the propagation of the religion. I mean, you know, bottom line is that they terrify you into staying a Muslim, no matter what, and, and making more Muslims. Right. So the the big fear, and it was with the Jews too, and, and they couldn't pull it off. I mean, you know, it's hard to find a Jew who will marry a Jew. I mean, who wants to put up with that? <laughs> but but what I'm saying is that you know that's what America does, and that's what the big fear of 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 these insulated religions and ethnicities is that how are we going to maintain our national identity right. and our religious identity if they become Americanized? Right, and especially I mean, the in America, the emphasis on individuality in a lot of ways goes directly against. Uh, what you know? What all, a lot of these religions stand for, right? Like it goes totally counter to it, right? You you want groupthink? You want groupthink? Yeah, and you know the interesting thing for me has been that, and I haven't really been able to uh, figure it out in a way that makes sense to me. Is I do have sort of an identity crisis. Like I don't know. There's no really one group that I can like identify with. And you know, I was at a mosque recently. And it was a big mosque with like a couple hundred people and they were, you know, doing prayers or whatever. And I looked around and there's like a real power in being in a room and realizing everybody in this room thinks like me about this, you know. And that's that, that identity and feeling of belonging. And I don't I don't really feel like I have that anymore. Like, do you? That's, well, that's that's interesting because I, I, you know, I don't have that in my life. And that is the power of 
of uh, community is what you're talking about. You're right. talking about the power of community. Right. And, and, you know, there's a lot of Christian megachurches that have been built to establish that feeling, that community. Like the, we're, a lot of the Christian megachurches have, have, have sort of moved away from Jesus. Right, it's more create, about community. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the sad thing is, is that, you know, in a democracy, if the democracy was engaged and people were civic-minded, that you would have that sense of community in neighborhoods, uh, in towns, and people would be involved in, in local politics and their, their, their schools and everything else. And now that, you know, people are so selfish that that individuality that you're talking about has detached people completely from what the national fabric of America is supposed to be about in terms of community, that they, they seek it out elsewhere, whether it's on the internet or motivational speakers yeah. or, or, or extreme religious groups. But there's some churches that, some people only go to church for that. You know, just it's not a matter of belief or, or, or following the rules per se, but but it's it's the community. So I, I don't think that's unusual. Uh, no, and identifying with the group. And I think, oh, this is getting weird. Like, I think after 9-11, a big part of the reason that the country was so, like, every, you know, we were talking earlier a little bit about these negative sentiments towards the Middle East and Muslims and, like, mm-hmm. people sort of, you know, America. Like, I think... That happened because a lot of these people suddenly had a cause that they could latch on to and somebody that they could identify, you know, like you don't really sit around thinking of yourself as like a patriotic American usually. But then people suddenly had this thing that they could be like part of something oh, bigger dude, than yeah, themselves. From, yeah, from the late 40s on, the Cold War defined this country. Right. And like, I mean, before, I mean, the, this is in terms of the Nazis, you know, I mean, that's what people were able to do is like suddenly they could be a part of history you know so the world war ii i think was one of the it was actually you know people felt that it was a just cause and that you know they could get behind it the cold war was a little amorphous if that's the right word that there was just this you know this vague pe- this pending threat of of global destruction and i think that was played upon not unlike i think 9-11 was played upon to create that jingoistic fear that you know when you really look at the numbers of Muslims, it's profound. When you look at the numbers of fanatic Muslims, it's minimal. Yeah. Uh, but the idea that you know any Muslim is some sort of you know easily flipped More Manchurian so. candidate. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, like a, they just need to flip the switch, and we're ready to go. Well, we covered a lot. Did we? Yeah. Do you want to lighten it up? Do you yeah. sing or anything? <laughs> <laughs> no, Islam does not allow singing. And we're back. Uh, oh, thank you. No, actually, I am Shiite, and we're not supposed to listen to music. Really? Yeah, that's, you know, a thing. Shiite I, and Shia. That's the same. Okay. Shia. We're, I mean, you know, we call ourselves Shia. You guys call us Shiites. So there's Shia and Sunni. Shia and Sunni are the two big ones. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we What are the specific. other uh, franchises? Those are the two big ones. Those are the McDonald's are and small? Burger King. Yeah, there's That's no the smaller two. ones here. We got some, you know, there's Wendy's and A&W, but yeah. who gives a shit about those? Yeah, they're, they're barely hanging on. <laughs> they're barely hanging on. Yeah, even with the salad bar, it didn't help. <laughs> They've just got a couple. So you're a Shia. Yeah. And you can't dance. Oh, I have no rhythm. Are you, like a, but you're not allowed to? I'm basically white on the inside. Uh, now, see, that was racist. Mm, yeah. Okay. Sure, but you know, like we said, I'm allowed to say these things. But but you wouldn't be like a black guy who do you ever can you talk like a white guy? Nah, uh, I can do. I mean, Coca Cola. I don't know. Try I do it. like impressions of. What do you want me to say? I like Coca Cola. <laughs> That's interesting. So you kind of talk like a gay Southern white guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, brown guy that sounds like a gay Southern white guy. That happens. Does it? No. <laughs> 
<laughs> but sometimes it is interesting when I see my people who are clearly gay. I'm like, oh, good for you. You probably had to fight so much to get to and the point where you're like wearing a scarf. Yeah. And then it's just, no. we're not gay yet. No, yeah. no. I definitely had kids in high school that I was like, this guy is gay. You right. Know? And some of them I've looked up on Facebook. Some of them have moved here and come out and a lot of them are married with kids. They're definitely gay. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Well, that happens a lot in a lot of different yeah, cultures. Yeah, yeah, You know, this is a thing you see a lot. Like when I do shows in like um, uh, middle of the country, Ohio mm. or whatever, like the at some theater, that the, the type of the guy who's clearly very gay in his mid-40s but married <laughs> with kids and yeah. runs the local theater, yeah. that happens a lot. Sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> and you don't know if they're actively gay. I don't, yeah, I don't think they are. I mean, they yeah. have kids and stuff. So... That's the way they want to go. Yeah. Let them go. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a mistake to to assume like if they haven't come out or they haven't sucked a dick or they haven't kissed a How man. How do they know they're gay? And if they just want to choose to live a, a, a life of quiet desperation and be a good father and a good husband it's and noble. occasionally jerk off to men, so what? I mean, you know, it's it, I guess it's sad, but it's a preference. I mean, there's plenty of things that I, I have in my brain a... that are that are, are no. I'm not saying that being gay is a preference. No, no, no. I'm I, that that's to... not what I'm saying. But like choosing that life, I mean, if they weren't, you know, if well, they had their brothers, they wouldn't. I don't know. Yeah. How is it different than you choosing not to do your show? And then we were quiet for a little while after that. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, but, but because. I had so many factors in me not to... Well, you're right. It's their choice. They don't have to come out. Whatever. It, it's just a little, you know... It's just weird that, you know, there's a cultural pressure to do a lot of things for a lot of different reasons that, that group think thinks it's true. But, you know, if somebody has learned to reckon with it or lives with it, it's 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 sad if the reason that they're doing it is because they, you know, don't want to be ostracized or they'll be, you know, they don't want to be accepted they or they don't want to be made fun of or hurt or whatever, that they're uh, terrified because of cultural reasons right. to, to be who they really are, then that's different. But if it's a guy that says, well, yeah, you know. I, I don't want to deal with I, this. I, yeah, I like th- yeah, I like thinking about sucking dick and maybe I'd like to do it, but not enough to do it and I like my family. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people think, well, that's going to explode someday. Or yeah, it might. That, that, sure it might. But I think everybody makes deals with themselves like that, not around that particular thing, but you right. make compromises. Right, but right, it's right. sad when, when it's so culturally... Uh, uh, um, demonized it, it it that's not right right everybody should be able to talk about fuck whatever they want well i mean let's not go crazy fuck whoever they want right yeah if they're consenting adults and Consen- human consenting human adults <laughs> right or, or one human adult like and, a, and something inanimate i don't have a problem with that yeah that's fine but you know animals and children i think but if it's a consenting dog that's like enjoying it and having an orgasm while you fuck it that's wrong I guess it's a dog to you. loves it. Maybe I mean, Dogs do you do you really know what a dog likes? Yeah. Well, I, no, I don't. But you know, I'm not saying I could please a dog. But I'm saying if somebody is pleasing a dog, yeah, and the dog is not, you know, the dog likes it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I remember when I was a kid, there was a guy I knew that jerked off his dog because he thought it was funny. Yeah, but and he's married. He's all right. He runs it. a dental business now. He makes uh, dental molds. I don't mean jerking. I mean like fucking dogs. Yeah, I, I think that's sad, and, and I, I don't know, because I, I, uh, yeah, I don't think we're really taking into consideration the, the dog's feelings. But you're qualifying it somehow by saying that the you know the happy. dog loves it. <laughs> the dog loves it. I, I still think that... Orgasming harder than it's ever orgasmed. I think that's fine, but you should keep it to yourself. <laughs> okay. All right, good. I'll remember that. <laughs> I think that's it. I can't close any bigger than that. <laughs> Thanks for talking. Let me make sure I can... 
Kamel. Mm-hmm. Nanjiani. Yeah, perfect. Oh, thank fucking God. Nailed it. Mark Marone. Ugh. Okay, that was it. I, I don't know how it gets more interesting than that, really. I got to get out. I got to get out. Can I get some suggestions, please? I don't I don't really want to go back to France. I don't want to go to Italy. I don't want to go to Spain. Something exotic. I'm, I'm thinking in terms of maybe Morocco, maybe Russia. Thailand, I'm not so interested in for some reason. Uh, India, I'm kind of interested in. I'd like to hear a little bit about those experiences. Help me plan a trip, folks. I hope you enjoyed that show. If you want some comedy info of any kind, go to uh, punchlinemagazine.com and take take that in. I don't want to plug all my dates again, but March 4th, 5th, and 6th, the Palms in Vegas. And I do want to plug, again, March 21, the Grog Shop in Cleveland, 22, the Black Cat in D.C., 25 through 27, Funny Bone in Bloomington, Indiana. The guy who did the music, our new theme music, John Montagna, he did a great video of creating the theme music. That is up on WTFPod.com. And donate if you got the bread, because as I've said before, I love doing this. And we're doing okay, and I'm very grateful for, for the subscriptions that people have uh, and the donations. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Um, it is, it's encouraging, and we love doing it. And please have a good week. <laughs>